Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, happy Halloween. Hope you are enjoying the day. Uh, One thing that it can be scary is PBMs. Uh, Speaking of Halloween, and in today's episode, we're talking with Sharon Fairs about how uh, her uh, organization that she works for uh, best helps to analyze data about PBMs to provide other companies uh, insights into uh, the best value that they can get out of a relationship with one. Stay tuned. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Sharon Fairs, who is a PhD and MPH, um, is the Senior Vice President for Research and Data Innovation at PSG Consults. Sharon is um, in this role, oversees the strategy and execution of research and educational initiatives. These include primary and sponsored research, as well as client projects for PBMs and pharmaceutical manufacturers. She also serves as assistant adjunct professor of clinical pediatrics and assistant adjunct professor of internal medicine with Washington University in St. Louis. Her expertise is at the intersection of best-in-class research and marketing, educating the market with scientifically valid yet understandable and actionable insights. Sample projects have included creating a market analysis and a report for a pharma manufacturer bringing an opioid addiction recovery drug to market, conducting a national survey on customer satisfaction for PBMs, and discovering the impact of a drug manufacturer's specialty patient support program through statistical analysis. She earned a doctorate in sociology from North Carolina State University and her MPH from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Gilling School of Global Public Health. Sharon has, was named as one of the top 100 women leaders in STEM in 2012. Uh, Her areas of expertise include survey design, prescription drug benefit design, health outcomes research, health and wellness program development and outcomes, developing epidemiologic and population-based models of healthcare costs and utilization, behavioral economics, statistics, research methods, predictive modeling, and program evaluation. She's authored or co-authored over 100 peer-reviewed publications, as well as book chapters and white papers on healthcare research methods and human behavior. Sharon, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks, Hillary. So glad to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that you've heard a little bit, uh, or now that our listeners have heard a bit about your background, maybe you could fill in any gaps from that intro or share a bit about your personal life. Gosh, I sound like I'm really boring based on my <laughs> intro, my formal intro. But um, so, you know, what is it? When I, wor- I used to work for Express Scripts and the, the chief marketing officer, he used to always say when he was talking about me, I was a PhD with personality. Um, <laughs> So, which is kind of what they were looking for, somebody that can do research, but then translate Translate. that into things that regular people can understand. 
um, mm-hmm. and not just a bunch of, you know, academics, which was kind of the world I came from. And of course, I, you know, I love good research methodology and academics, and I could do theory integration with the best of people. But, um, but what, re- what, I, what really makes me kind of tick is seeing research come to life so that people can use it to make better decisions um, for themselves, their families, or their businesses. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, so how did you get um, interested in research? Did you do the the PhD first, and then the the um, public health, or yeah? Tell us a little bit more about um, how you came to really love and have a passion for research. So, I probably have the weirdest career path of anyone you'll ever see with a PhD. So, I uh, I started my career in the U.S. Army. And, um, and then went on to become a police officer um, (laughs) in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and way back when. So, um, and I decided, wanted to go get a degree in sociology, but as the oldest of 15 children, my Mm -hmm. parents were not very enthusiastic about a degree that they had no idea what you would do for a living. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up doing uh, my undergrad work in pre-law, which is how I became a cop. Um, And so as I got older, I went back to graduate school as a quote unquote non-traditional student because I was 30 years old Mm -hmm. and did my PhD in sociology because I love seeing how people interact with systems. And that's basically what sociology is. How do people interact with other groups of people, which is healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. You're an individual patient. You have interactions with your pharmacist, with your doctor, with your health insurer, with your PBM, et cetera. And um, I thought I was going to become a professor for, you know, kind of for my full-time kind of career built. But then I got tired of writing papers on mm-hmm. topics that only academics read. Mm-hmm. So coming from a kind of a very blue collar kind of past career path as a as a police officer and military and from a farming family, I really wanted things to be practical. And that's where um, coming into this health outcomes research became kind of my passion. Mm-hmm. I eventually went and got an MPH to um just because I got interested in how public, how really healthcare is public health in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, and that was, it was very practical. And I, I did my MPH at UNC Chapel Hills, a Gilling School of Global Public Health, and you actually worked with people. So I'm in the United States dealing with issues like obesity and diabetes. And I had fellow students that I was working on projects with that were dealing with things like they were in like sub-Saharan Africa, dealing with malaria and starvation. And it was really interesting to watch kind of how healthcare is very local. Mm-hmm. So, but that's anyway, I get really passionate about this stuff. It's uh, it's, it is fun and fascinating and every day is different. Hmm. Very, yeah, very interesting uh, path for sure. Um, but you also threw out a fun fact of um, being the eldest of 15 children. So I can imagine family dynamics and understanding behaviors and things is 
um, yeah, you've got a, you've got a lot, um, of that as well. So very, very interesting. Well, Sharon, tell us, um, you know, how did you get to, you know, PSG and, and what is that for our listeners? Sure. So PSG is the leading consulting company for pharmacy benefits. Um, so as many of your listeners probably already know, pharmacy is the most highly used employee health benefit by members and patients. And PSG helps clients, so usually employers, health plans, coalitions, etc., May help their help them make decisions so that their members, whether they're you know direct patients or if they are um, just people with benefits, have a great pharmacy benefit experience by choosing the best PBM partner, by making sure that they're keeping costs low, um, and helping them in things like selecting a PBM managing those vendor relationships as it goes on so that people can access this benefit in a way that is smooth and seamless. So we do, we've been around for 26 years um, and we are um, really, we're the, the only main big consulting company that is focused solely on pharmacy. So we have great expertise. So I came to PSG six and a half years ago um, through one of the one of the companies that they own, PBMI, the Pharmacy Benefit Management Institute. Um, I came, I started as VP of Research and Education for PBMI, and eventually moved to PSG as Senior Vice President of Research and Data Innovation. So okay. prior to that, I was I worked for Express Scripts for many, many years and um, led their research team and their data analytics area. And prior to that, I was with Walgreens, so running research. But first, do you help patients with diabetes select their pin needles? And have you recommended the UltiGuard Safe Pack yet? When you dispense UltiMed's Pin Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, you promote safe sharps disposal. This protects families and your community from sharps injuries and can reduce the harmful reuse of needles. Your selection can make a difference. To learn more about UltiMed's Pin Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, visit UltiGuardSafePack.com slash podcast. UltiGuardSafePack.com slash podcast. U-L-T-I-G-U-A-R-D-S-A-F-E-P-A-C-K dot com slash podcast, ultiguardsafepack.com slash podcast. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that, that is interesting that um, to point out that pharmacy is the most highly used employee health benefit and why it's so important to have some expertise around how to, you know, lower costs and, and really get to maximize, um, that for employers who are, um, often, you know, at risk and wanting to manage, uh, their employees. Um, but, you know, as a, as a pharmacy benefit manager, there's, that's definitely a, um, a hot topic right now. Um, lots of, lots of things in the news about, um, PBMs. Tell us a little bit about, you know, their, 
your kind of role in the marketplace and how you guys um, differentiate yourselves? For PSG? Yes. So PBMs, as your listeners will know, are um, the, the groups that manage the drug benefit on behalf of the plan sponsor, the person paying the bill, essentially, for your drugs. So what PSG does is, is help our clients select the best PBM for them. And one of the things that we see in the research that, um, that we just recently published that you see very distinctly, I mean, we've always known it, but it's nice to have data behind it, is that while selecting a PBM is a high pressure decision because you're often in a three-year contract and your members are going to be impacted. So most pharmacy plans go into effect on January 1st. Mm-hmm. There are many people who will be at that at a retail pharmacy on January 1st to get a prescription. Um, mm-hmm. I know that you work mm-hmm. as a retail pharmacist in the past, and so I'm sure you have seen those people walk up to your counter, mm-hmm. and they need to have a seamless experience. So what we do is help plan sponsors maximize their pharmacy benefit by one, choosing the the best PBM for them. And that has many, many factors um, ranging from cost to innovation, to patient services, you know, to specialty drug management, et cetera. Um, In fact, in the, in the research that we just published, we have over, over 70 different factors that are looked at and there's more than 40 primary factors that go into it. And so each plan sponsor has to decide what's most important to them. There's always trade-offs in everything in life, right? So, you know, what is the most important factors? And so PSG helps them that. We also do other things, um, other services like audit to make sure that the PBMs are doing what they promise to do. Um, We, and especially in paying rebates and in pricing and in providing the services that were guaranteed to that plan sponsor who was paying for it. And ultimately the members are paying for it through their premiums, right? Um, And, you know, and we also, you know, provide them with clinical consulting. So we have a a pretty large clinical consulting team of pharmacists that work with with plan sponsors to make sure that they're picking, that they're choosing the right services for their population. You know, do you need certain clinical programs? Do you have a population that is having problems with polypharmacy, for instance? Or we can provide them with consulting on making the best choices. So let's say, for instance, that you're an employer and this here was a, an example of something that we consulted on and someone changed. They had a step therapy policy for people with, um, with multiple sclerosis that required them to fail a drug and, and their definition of fail included losing the ability to walk twice in six months before the patient could move to a different drug. We advised them that was not a good clinical decision and they ended up changing 
Oh, wow. Their therapy, because many times, because, you know, they're, these are people that are not specialists in, in healthcare often. They're, you know, they're making tires and they're providing Mm -hmm. financial services and they're doing other things. So we help advise them on which kinds of clinical decisions are are in the best interests of their members. So I, my my saying going back decades, having worked in this industry, is that you want to make sure you're doing things for your members, not to your members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, Sharon, just to like very, you know, clarify for our listeners, PSG is not a PBM. You guys are consultants in helping the um, the the sponsor or you know the employee group select their PBM. That is correct. Yeah. So, okay. and we we do provide consulting to PBMs as well to help them improve their business, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of but yeah, we are definitely not a PBM. Got it. <laughs> now. Um, how often are those benefits separated? Like for you to just advise on the pharmacy benefit versus, you know, all the other things, um, explain a little bit more of that. So there, so, so employers, so plan sponsors, whether you're, if you're an employer, let's go down to kind of the, the main provider of group health benefits is employers in the United States. Um, you can either carve in or carve out the pharmacy benefit from your health plan coverage. Mm-hmm. A large proportion of employers with more than 5,000 members are, you know, kind of covered lives. So that would be member, your employees and their dependents mm-hmm. self-insure. And they tend to carve out pharmacy from the health plan. So instead of just paying X dollars in premiums, let's just say that the the plan pays on the behalf of each member $500 a month. I'm just making up a number um, mm-hmm. per member per per month or, or or per member per year, whatever it is. They just pay that to the health plan. The health plan manages everything. And if they make money, great. And if they lose money, great. The health plan is at risk. In most employer situations, when it's an employer of any size, they self-insure. That means the employer is at risk for every single dollar. And there they often carve out pharmacy so that they can manage it more tightly. Um, And to make sure that it's best for their population, you know, what they have. So so that's kind of how it works. Um, most employers of any size have consultants that benefit consultants that help them with pharmacy and health benefits. Having a separate pharmacy consultant is fairly common. Um, you know, people that specialized in that specialize in pharmacy benefits. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, and then since you're, you know, research. Uh, background. What are some of the, you know, examples of some of the the research that you're currently doing? Um, sure. So, um, yeah. So I've, I'm currently engaged in some research on the, well, on the impact of non-medical switching. So uh, that would be a formulary position. 
you know, so a drug came off formulary because there was another drug that um, perhaps a PBM was able to get better rebates for. The impact of non, so that's non-medical switching. So it's a, a switch not because of the patient not having results or having bad side effects or what have you um, during COVID. Mm-hmm. And this was for specialty drugs that require administration. Um, so I was, I've been looking at the impact of non-medical switching on costs because for many specialty drugs, you have to do what's called a loading dose. And those can be rather expensive because it might be four or five times the normal monthly dose of a medication that you have to take up front. And so accounting for the loading dose costs, then often the savings that people think they're going to get are not there. <laughs> um, but then also looking at the impact of, of that on stress for patients and for providers during COVID when going to the doctor's office um, was often challenging for many, many people. Um, I am also running a national survey, another survey on PBM satisfaction right now, and getting ready to launch a survey on drug benefit design for the specialty benefit that will be a national survey. So we're that always provides good information. We've actually produced that research on benefit design for uh, on the specialty side for about 10 years. Um, it's not every year, but we, we do it very frequently. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course, just keeping an eye on things around legislation, um, working on the impact of COVID that we're seeing on drug spending and utilization and the dips that we saw and the changes in utilization. Um, and I'm sure this is not new new news to you because it's been in the news from other groups, but looking at the increase of use of medications to treat depression and anxiety during COVID and what that meant. And then the, some, the decrease of some new prescriptions that you would expect for things like new patients with cancer as people delayed seeing providers during COVID. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to create a model to look at what the pent up demand is going to mean for payers as we go forward. Hmm. Fascinating. Um, especially since people who delayed often will have more advanced disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow. And, you know, are any predictions that you can see going forward, um, with, you know, potential legislation or just things happening, changes in healthcare that might impact, um, this, you know, area of, of business? Nothing specific. I mean, there's always things going on in legislation, always has been. As you probably know, there was a new law in Tennessee just just signed um, mm-hmm. that impacts some of the network arrangements, um, but it's specific to Tennessee. You know, there's mm-hmm. always new legislation proposed. PBMs have never been immune from that. I've been in the business for a couple of decades and um, 
you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it comes around pretty regularly, the same sorts of things, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I'm hoping that with the, with the, um, expansion or at least more acceptance of the affordable care plan, um, things that people who lost their insurance coverage during COVID because they lost work or were uninsured, that more people will have access to healthcare through the exchanges Mm -hmm. um, so that they can get the care that they, you know, they need and stay in front of their health conditions so that they can live healthier lives. Um, So I expect that that will probably see more of a shift there. one of the clinical pharmacists is currently working pretty closely on the impact of the new Alzheimer's drug that was just approved this week and that historic kind of uh, approval by the FDA and what that might mean for most of our clients are employers and so that's working age people. So the impact won't be as dramatic, but for the country, the impact could be considerable in terms of cost, but we also do have clients that have retiree plans. And um, because the new Alzheimer's drug is allowed for any stage, that could be considerable. And then there's a new obesity drug, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that just got approved. And that always makes a bit of a splash, right? Because many people want, they would would like something to help with the obesity problem we have in the U.S. right now. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and so, Sharon, as the final question that I love to ask all of our guests, um, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for others out there who are just getting started in their career? Find something that you're passionate about, not in the you know, what color is my parachute kind of thing. But whatever career you decide to go on, find the angle in it that makes you excited to get up every day. I always say, if you have a job you're not willing to do for free, then you're in the wrong, Mm -hmm. the wrong job. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, but find something that you love and that you feel like you make a difference in. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And it doesn't feel like work. (laughs) That's right. You never have to work a day in your life if you love what you do. That's right. Awesome. Well, Sharon, thanks so much for spending some time with us uh, to share about some of the inner workings and uh, of, you know, consulting and and research. And um, we appreciate you being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you. For more about pharmacists in leadership, be sure to check out my new book now available as an ebook and paperback on Amazon. Go over to Amazon and search for how pharmacists lead answers from women who are leading, succeeding and impacting pharmacy. And I hope you check it out. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe rate and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.